You're listening to Beyond the Jargon, a jargon-free look at graduate students and their research journey here at UVic. Welcome to Beyond the Jargon. I'm your host today, Liz MacArthur, and joining me in the studio is Gus. Gus, tell me, uh, give me your full name and uh, (laughs) tell me uh, what you're doing here at UVic. Okay, well, my full name is Matthew Gussell, Mm -hmm. but absolutely nobody calls me that except for a police officer or maybe my mom if I'm in trouble. (laughs) So if anybody calls me that, I'll think I'm in trouble. Mm -hmm. Everybody calls me Gus. Um, and then the second part of that question was what I'm doing here. Yep. What I'm doing here at Beyond the <laughs> Jargon. <laughs> well, I'm currently a PhD candidate mm-hmm. here in the theatre department at the University of Victoria. And I am, uh, I'm working on a project with, uh, in Tamil Nadu, India. Um, wow. So that's, that's one of the southern states in India. It's on the southeast coast. Kind of at, at times in the past, it has been actually a part of Sri Lanka. But my, my work there is I'm helping two communities uh, join together and form an intergenerational theatre company. So the two communities, one is called Tamarakalam Elders Village, and then the other one is called the Isha Foundation School. Um, so it, as you can tell, one is an older generation and one is a younger generation. Mm-hmm. And these two generations are going to come together to create theatre. And this project was inspired based upon a theatre company that I worked with in Edmonton uh, while I was doing my master's studies and a couple of years after my master's. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're called the Jerry Actors and Friends, which is a wonderfully <laughs> co- clever name. Cute. I like that. <laughs> and they're directed by David Barnett. Mm-hmm. Um, now, kind of the history of how this all got started was there's a man named Michael Etherton, and uh, he's a, a world expert in uh, theatre for development, which, as you can tell by the title, is just using theatre in development situations. So any uh, developing country situation or, uh, um, yeah, just, just using theatre as a means to help with development. Um, right. He came to Edmonton in 2008 to be a keynote speaker at a... It was actually Edmonton was the Edmund was the cultural capital of Canada that year, so there was wow. a lot of funding for arts uh, projects, mm-hmm. and uh, the Jerry Actors and Friends uh, got helped out with a bit of funding for that. So we were a part of this one day festival that they had, and we gave a workshop in the afternoon. And I was uh, David wasn't able to be there on that day, so I had to be the director that day. Mm-hmm. And uh, the style of these workshops are, everyone comes and sits in a big circle, and then we play a few games together, and then we perform together, like the audience performs with the actors on stage and then after that the Jerry actors and friends would get up and give their normal performance right uh, so on one of these days we facilitated a 90-minute workshop like this and then afterwards a man walks up to me and he walks walks up to me and shakes my hand he said thank you very much that was a wonderful uh, workshop that you just gave it was very good my, my name's Michael Etherton and I'll I'll I guess I'll be seeing you later. And then he walked away, and my brain was computing for a few seconds, and I'm like, oh, Michael Etherton. <laughs> I've read his books. <laughs> I know who that guy is. Uh. Um, so, so that's kind of when the project actually got started, because he saw us on that day at that workshop, and then mm-hmm. we gave a presentation later that day at the one of the big concert halls in Edmonton. And he was enthralled with the work that we were doing with intergenerational theatre and mm. the lovely, playful approach uh, that we we're bringing to this intergenerational theatre. Mm-hmm. So that's where it all started. He saw this, right. and he had actually helped build the Tamaraculam Elders village. Mm-hmm. Um, so he... The village itself and and actually the school that we're working with, they both are built from this um, out of the tsunami relief effort. Because there is a tsunami that happened um, just in the Indian Ocean there in 2004. 
I think if, December 26th, if I remember my dates correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, but so out of that tsunami relief effort is where both these communities emerged. And Michael Etherton was a consultant that was hired uh, by HelpAge India uh, to help create this Tamarack Lime Elders Village. Hmm. And why is, how is, how does theater, um, I guess, tie in with uh, development? Why, that's an interesting concept for me. I mean, what, what does theater mean for the development of communities, especially, you know, if they've been hit by a tsunami? Really, I mean, it's quite a large field when it comes down to it, Mm -hmm. uh, theater for development. And uh, it it started at the precise moment when development started, which a lot of people pin as being Harry Truman's speech right after the Second World War, Hmm. stating that other countries need our help to get up to our standard. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's always been actually a lot of controversy surrounding development, um, as there has been with theater for development. Um, I would say uh, in its most rudimentary form, theater has been used as almost like a communication tool uh, with for communicating sanitary habits to poor people. Like, mm. And it's a very like didactic, one-way style communication. Mm-hmm. And that's not what we're doing here. <laughs> right. But that's quite a common usage of, of theater in development situations, for better or for worse, because in some situations it is helpful. There is uh, communication that can happen in a one-way approach like that. Mm-hmm. But that's not the kind of theater that's been championed for the most part um, when it comes to the university studies of, uh, of theater for development. Um, I, I, kind of the more standard approach for theater for development um, and I'm saying that it's more standard because I think what we're doing with this particular project is a little bit different than mm-hmm. a lot of the history of theater for development. Theater has been tried to be used almost as solutions for problems. Um, there's quite a famous theater for development uh, practitioner named Augusta Boella. Augusta Bowell, sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't get the pronunciation correct. And he based a lot of his uh, work um, around the pedagogy of the oppressed that Paulo Freire uh, theorized about as well. And they both emerged out of Brazil in the late 60s, early 70s. It's, and they were kind of used as a template for theater for development for a lot of years. And Augusta Bowell's approach is very much like, we want to use theater to help the community solve its problems. Mm. We're going to come in and the community is having these issues. And they can be any type of issues, quite frankly. It could be anything from like an oppressive regime that's on top of them and squishing their ability to get food or uh, gender-based issues or, uh, I mean, just any multitude of issues that are um, that are met in a development situation. Mm-hmm. Um and, and that's kind of the normal use uh, for theater for development. It's to come in and to help a community kind of talk about their issues and then to maybe pose some solutions to those issues. Mm-hmm. And then quite often, uh, it's kind of the downfall of theater in these situations is we come in and we talk about all these things, but it's very difficult for us to back it up when all is right. said and done because we're artists or development workers and we kind of launch into a community, only spend a short amount of time there, and then we're gone. Yeah. So any sort of sustainable development isn't achieved in those situations. So this is a much longer term project in which people can, I guess, follow through with all of these ideas. Yeah, the goal is for it to be long term. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously, we're at the very early stages of this project. So I mean, that's, that's probably a goal of a lot of the projects of what I've talked about in the past as well. Now, what I see is a little bit different with the um, theater for development that we're doing here is we aren't going into situations where the development is still going on. Mm. These are two highly, uh, I guess, healthy communities would be the way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, Tamarakalam Elders Village opened up in 2007, 
and uh, and their main mandate is to bring in elders that don't have families to take care of them. Um, so when you're yeah, when you're talking about it, it would be similar to an old folks home in where we are. That's not a bad comparison. Mm-hmm. To an old, and I mean, I jokingly refer to it as like almost like a hippie commune. Oh, it's yeah. more what it's like a it's like a a charity that supports like people living off the land like they have organic mm-hmm. farming there organic uh or organic cows organic <laughs> like crops yeah and then they sell like small handicrafts for um just to make a little bit of money on the side mm-hmm. but the long-term goal is help age india has has provided kind of the house uh, or the financial house the financial stability for this uh, village to continue on mm-hmm. um, but they're looking at transferring it over to another foundation that's called elders for elders foundation and this is run by members of the community and members actually of the seniors uh, complex right so it's kind of like that I, I really if you were to visit there you'd see what I was talking about mm-hmm. because it's very much so a village it's open air there's a beautiful pond by it it's surrounded by farmers fields and it's a very relaxing place mm-hmm. uh, my wife and I just spent uh, three weeks there in July mm-hmm. and it was just beautiful it yeah. was wonderful spending the time there it was yeah it was it was it was like I said a very healthy community um, and then and then the, on the other side of the coin, the other generational Yeah, the part Isha, of it. Isha Foundation mm-hmm. has the exact same treatment. Right. Um, so the, the Isha school came out of the same tsunami relief effort. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, there was a lot of income put into uh, developing that area uh, during that time. And both of these communities are very close to the coast. Very similar to how Uvic is. Right. It's very comparable. When you stand on the roof of the school, you can see the ocean just the same as you could if you <laughs> stood on the <laughs> roof of some here, of yeah. these buildings. Yeah. Um, but the Isha Foundation, um, it, it was, it was. I'm not sure exactly when Isha was started itself, the actual foundation. But mm. what it is is there is um, a guru, uh, an Indian guru, mm-hmm. who started this foundation, and he is from Tam- the Tamil Nadu area, and he is really promoting development in this area, like trying to get um, good sustainable jobs and good sustainable education for the children. Um, so this this particular group of children, there are about 500 children that are currently in this school, mm-hmm. and the, the, all of their schools would have been wiped out after the tsunami. Um, this school is, was started in 2008, and at that point in time, there are only K-4 Mm-hmm. Uh, because anyone who was older than that, any children that were older than that, were already income generating for their family. Um, so, but now wow, that's pretty early to yes, be income y- generating. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you certainly see it when you when you spend some time there because they're either selling flowers on the side of the road mm-hmm. or fruit on the side of the road, and and all the different factories that there are in this area, like from the garment factories that we hear about, mm-hmm. um, and then it's actually quite a lot of cement and brick factories in this area, um, mm-hmm. and very. Very large agricultural projects of uh, actually cashew trees is a main crop mm. around that area. Um, but yeah, so so I, so now that that was in 2008, we're at 2013 now. So it's a K to nine school, uh, and it's really interesting to watch the school grow. Uh, I have a feeling yeah. the next time I return there, which will be next May, there will be another actual like story built onto the school it started as like a one-room school and then it grew to a two-room school and then it grew up another level and now it's another level higher and it will need to at least grow another (laughs) level if it's going to fit those next three grades 10 11 and 12 in it you are literally watching it grow it's yeah it's not just yeah wow Hmm. 
And for, for the theater company that we're working with, it's actually their oldest group of students okay. that is uh, participating with the elders uh, in the theater company. And what kind of theater do they produce? What are the plays about? Are they all, are they lighthearted and just for entertainment? Or mm-hmm. are they looking at deeper things? Well, this is interesting because this, this, is, this is the next step of the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have done kind of the legwork to get it in position so all of the functioning bodies are in the right places. Right. So the... Tamarack Lam Elders Village and Help Age India think that this is a wonderful idea. And uh, they're kind of the leaders in reality of the project. Um, Mm -hmm. And they're helping, they helped me find the Isha Foundation. Um, Mm -hmm. There was a few other options initially, but the Isha Foundation really solidified itself as being the best option uh, with these elders, since the communities were both out of the tsunami relief effort. And they're both rural as well. They're not not kind of in the city area. They're both Mm -hmm. outside of the Cuddalore uh, the city of Cuddalore. I guess you'd call it a city. They call it Cuddalore District. Right. And it's kind of like a bunch of small towns, similar to how you, how sorry, Victoria is again, mm. how we've got Sanitation. All our municipalities, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's that kind of a setup. But yeah, mm-hmm. so they're both rural areas. So it was the best fit. Um, now, what we're using kind of as a template walking into this uh, is the Jerry Actors and Friends model. Okay. Uh, and as I mentioned, at the core of their model is playfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, and just... I guess using playfulness, and I'm going to use a peculiar word, exploiting the, the playful um, interactions that exist between the generations. Yep. And I see this in my work in Canada quite often, and especially with the work with the Jerry Actors and Friends. If you put someone who's in their 80s and sit them next to a 20-year-old, a 15-year-old, mm-hmm. even a 30-year-old, the first thing they're going to start doing with each other is joking around. Yeah. Like, just to break the <laughs> ice. And then that sticks in their relationship throughout all of their interactions. Mm -hmm. Um, And I even, thinking back to how I was with my grandparents, um, I mean, my grandparents passed away when I was still a teenager, um, but that was all of our interactions as well. Like, Mm -hmm. my favorite memories with my grandma is playing hockey with her while we were watching the Toronto Maple Leafs, her favorite team, and the Oilers, my favorite team, you know, like (laughs) Wayne Gretzky when I was a kid. So, yeah, that's kind (laughs) of, that's my memories of interactions with her. So that's what the Jerry Actors and Friends do. They really work around that playfulness, that natural playfulness that happens between the generations and use that to create Mm theatre. And that's our hope for this company as well, is we will use the playfulness and see what happens after that, hmm. um, which I have no idea what that will be. Yeah. With the Jerry Actors and Friends, the results are uh, very diverse. Um, your project sounds so interesting and very involved. How does this translate into PhD studies? What exactly are you studying here? Or is this more of uh, doing and setting and setting this up? What, mm-hmm. Yeah, how does this work? <laughs> well, when it comes down to it, I'm going to write about this mm-hmm. process. Um, and it, it will be a huge discovery inside of our field uh, because it is something that, I mean, this this work has been done before, Theatre for Development, um, mm-hmm. but I have never, there's maybe one project that I've read about um, that has explicitly been for seniors with uh, young people. Mm-hmm. But the explicit, like, we are using intergenerational relationships to create theatre, that hasn't existed before within the development territory. Hmm. And I think there's actually quite a large opportunity. Um, like, as we know, there's a, every country in the world is experiencing people growing older and older and yes. not dying as young. So life expectancy is growing in almost every country in the world right now. And, I mean, in India, it's actually quite astronomical. Now, I'm going to be a little wonky <laughs> with my uh, exact, exact numbers that I'll say to you now, but I believe in... 
before development started, so before India was actually a country, life expectancy was somewhere in the 40s, maybe early 50s, somewhere in that. And now life expectancy in India is in the late 60s, 68, 69. Mm. So like in this brief like 80-year history, life expectancy has gone up over 20 years in that time or around 20 years in that time, which is a significant cultural change for them. Um, So that's... And that is kind of across the board. African countries are experiencing the same thing. A lot of Latin American countries are experiencing the same type of life expectancy growth. Mm -hmm. So there is going to need to be some sort of uh, infrastructural change in how everything is done in these countries just Mm -hmm. to welcome in, (laughs) to continue having seniors being um, functioning members of society. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting to think about this, um, the elders' village. Um, It sounds like the people that are living there are very involved. Are they the the ones that are doing the gardening and helping sustain the village? I mean, that's where I think the model differs from maybe an old folks' home where they're almost sort of shuttled off to somewhere to live and just looked after and you know, forgotten or not forgotten, depending on how involved families are or can be. Um, that's kind of an interesting, I guess, role and what their role is as they age and what they can do. Uh, there's a lot we can learn from this model, yeah. quite frankly. Um, hmm. I would love to see Vancouver Island introduce a village that was mm-hmm. exactly like this. Um, I've done some work in some of the uh, seniors' homes here, mm-hmm. and it's, it's interesting to see how recreation is treated here um, and... I, I'm I, I in I think they do quite good work in in the seniors' homes here and uh, yeah it, it's it, but there is there is something to be learned with watching them in being involved with the cooking their own meals at the at the mm. elders' village in India and then just a few other kind of small details like they have they run committees uh, to help every aspect of the running of the village yeah. quite frankly so to introduce some of that like to have some of the seniors in the complexes here take on leadership roles in their communities and have it be recognized as they're sitting on this committee to help plan this part i've never seen that in a senior's home here but mm. i imagine it must exist it must exist but to the degree where i'm seeing it in india it's it's quite they're doing a great job yeah. there quite frankly yeah how did you, um, where did you study before you, like you mentioned you were in Edmonton mm-hmm. and how did you decide that this is what you wanted to do? This is very involved, um, uh, well, not involved, hmm. maybe very extroverted form of theater. I mean, to the point that you're in another country setting up intergenerational yeah. theater troops. Um, how did that all happen for you? But uh, you, you mentioned the person that you met, but yeah. you know, leading up to that. Well, yeah, Michael Etherton and David Barnett. Uh, so uh, David Barnett was my supervisor in Edmonton, mm-hmm. and Edmonton has a very strong theater community, and I did my MA at, in Edmonton, mm-hmm. and I did my undergraduate degree at Augustana University College, which is now called the Augustana Campus of the University of Alberta. Oh. So like when I was going there, it was actually owned <laughs> by the Lutheran Church, mm. um, but they they had to sell it, and they sold it to the University of Alberta. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like my background was I had a wonderful... I had two wonderful professors at the Augustana University College. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was named Paul Johnson, and a lot of people know him by Sparky. <laughs> and he's he's a great he's one of the expert one of the world's leading experts in uh, viola spolin theater, mm-hmm. um, which is just it's play it's theater is playfulness. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, viola spolin's sincere belief is that all of the world's problems could be solved if we just played. That's she writes about that all the time, and it's really quite. It, I'd love to see our politicians embrace this idea just for one day let's see if 
Mike Duffy and Stephen Harper could engage in a <laughs> game <laughs> and make up with some of their issues. But, but yeah, yeah and, and then I had another professor, Kevin Sutley, and he helped me branch into the Edmonton theater scene a little bit. He, mm-hmm. he connected me with some people who were using theater with communities in Edmonton, and then I just started growing little by little there and realizing, oh, I got to get a master's degree. It'll just help me further my practice. I, actually, the bigger motivator was everyone who had a master's degree was making more money than I was. Right, yeah. So I'm just like, this isn't right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go get a degree. And then while I was at the University of Alberta is when I got into the Jerry Actors and Friends mm. um, and became the assistant director of that company. And, and that's what my master's thesis was about. My master's thesis specifically focused on playfulness and how the Jerry Actors and Friends used playfulness. Hmm. Is playfulness important for you in your own life? Yeah. Do you? How do you practice playfulness? <laughs> That's to each their own, I guess. <laughs> I guess yeah, yeah. You can, you can, it's interesting to find playfulness in any little way that you can. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when it comes down to it, I take it very seriously. Right. All of this Serious deal playfulness. of playfulness. <laughs> yeah. um, but what... Actually, it, it, it's interesting for us as as academics or as educators. Um, I've been working with the Learning and Teaching Center a little bit over the last few months, and uh, I taught a workshop about pl- using playfulness in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And as I was planning for the play shop or planning for the workshop, I, I really wasn't sure exactly how I was going to talk about playfulness. Mm-hmm. And then I realized very quickly about how natural of a form of pedagogy playfulness is and playing when you think and it's not even particular to humans mm-hmm. it's all mammals really when it comes down to it my cats they There's would need to survive out in the wild if it wasn't me yeah. <laughs> giving them a meal every day at seven thirty. <laughs> <laughs> so they practice play fighting mm-hmm. and they practice hunting each other's tails and different stuff and right. we do the same thing as humans right we mm-hmm. practice the different roles that we have in society so we'll we'll play mom and dad and uh church pastor, doctor, all these different things, right? Mm-hmm. And then we learn how to how to function in society. And therefore, like we can transfer that actually into a university academic setting. We can play mm-hmm. to learn exactly how we're going to uh, be functioning professionals in our different fields. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I talked about it when we did those workshops at the Did it resonate? Or do you think that Absolutely. people are, are going off to be more playful in I, their classes? I sure hope so. Yeah. I, I think it would take a long time until... We really went really far down this uh, path of playfulness, but uh, mm-hmm. I, de- I sincerely believe that it would be very helpful for all of us, especially, especially in pedagogical situations, mm-hmm. to lighten the loads on ourselves and not treat things so seriously and just allow for some playfulness to be around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any expectations, well, you must have some expectations mm-hmm. for, uh, for your project. Um, is there anything that you are hoping will happen, anything you think will happen? Is there anything you hope won't happen? Well, there's a couple things. Uh, And actually, yeah, I'm really glad you asked this question. Um, While I was in India this last trip, uh, I had the opportunity just to play a bit with Mm -hmm. the uh, with the seniors there yeah and one of the first things that I wanted to do is to sing with them uh, because singing and playfulness go hand in hand and uh, I I showed them a video of the Jerry Actors and Friends, um, and it's they have a wonderful performance on their website, the, mm-hmm. and it's of a scene called "Am I Invisible," um, and it's just about seniors' invisibility because the, the, there's two stories that are told, and one's at a gas station and the other one's at a shoe shop, and the right. the clerks were paying more attention to the woman's daughters as opposed to her, uh, and that was an issue because she's just like, "Hey, am I invisible?" and then. That's yeah. where the scene got its name. 
But at the end of this scene, the uh, the Jerry actors they sing a song called "We're Here," and the words are "We're here because we're here because we're here because we're here we're here because we are not invisible," mm. and that's the song I wanted to teach to the elders. Mm-hmm. Um, so I played them the video, and we paused it every 90 seconds and then translated it for them. And, right. and then I said at the end, I was just like, oh, I want to, I want to teach this song to all of you. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then the first question, I'm assuming this, because they're all talking in Tamil. I, can, mm-hmm. I don't understand a word that the elders are saying. And they, I'm assuming that they asked, well, what does the song mean? And there is a, there is a man in the room who, he wasn't the like, official translator. The official translator was up at the front with me. Uh-huh. And a man in the room started translating what the words were and just saying it out loud. And then the guy who was the official translator, he's quite a strong singer. So mm-hmm. he started almost like chanting it. Oh. And then they all started singing it together. It was just like magic right before mm-hmm. my eyes. They started singing their own version of this, we're here because we're here. Yeah. And I, I, my wife and I both, we were sitting there just in awe of what was happening before us. And this was inside of like the auditorium of the of the seniors facility. And I said, why don't we go outside? There's Because there was like a lovely open air theater space mm-hmm. uh, as a part of this village why don't we go outside and perform it out there so we drug it outside Mm -hmm. and they performed it and Mm -hmm. it was uh, they owned this piece of music very well so much to the fact that I think that's going to end up being like one of the theme songs for the company Mm. like for both these young children and these seniors Mm -hmm. if you think about where they're at globally like they're kind of like in some terms like the ultimate subaltern <laughs> kind of point or point of view like in our global world mm-hmm. so they're just there i mean i actually have a youtube video already put out of them singing the we're here because we're here in tamil oh together. wow yeah um and that's kind of i guess my hope for the project mm-hmm. yeah, at the end of it all i i hope that us here at the university of victoria can make these small offers to this community and they'll take them and turn them into their own thing and then make it their own beautiful company so they can have the same type of theater work being done there in Tamil Nadu as that's being done in Edmonton hmm. for the last, I guess, 13 years that company has been around now. So wow. let's hope they can do the same thing. <laughs> that, that, that's my long-term, yeah. long-term goal. That's really exciting. It's amazing that uh, it's funny how naturally that just happened, too. You didn't have to really teach anything. You just had to sort of bring up the idea, and it yeah. sparked, and everybody just learned the song and made it their own immediately. Absolutely. And it's it's something that I'm learning about India as I'm going there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've done two trips there uh, so far, and there'll be at least three or four more um, as a part of the, my PhD research. But in this last trip, I went to an ashram, um, and Sri Aru Bindu mm-hmm. is the the name of the originator of the ashram, and I, I picked up a few of his books. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to paraphrase uh, a quote that was in one of the books. He's He said something along the lines of, no matter if it creeps its way over the Himalayan mountains or comes across the Indian Sea, we here, us Indians, we take all these cultural gifts that are given to us, whether it be art or religion or anything, and we take it and muddle it up and put the Indian stamp on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Quite a beautiful quote. I'm pretty much out of time here, so I'm going to ask you just a little bit more. How sure. much longer do you have to work on this project as your PhD project? And um, and if that sort of wraps up, will you then continue to work with them, or, or will that sort of both happen at the same time? It should be theirs. The project should be theirs. So mm-hmm. this is this is the main goal. Uh, right now, I'm working on planning a course that's happening next semester uh, from January until April. And there's a group of uh, undergraduate students that are going to take that course. And they're going to come with me next fall semester to India. And we're going to help the 
the two communities come together and form this intergenerational company. Mm. Uh, very much as outsiders and just supporting what they're doing. Um, and they'll have the Indian theater company will have their first performance um, towards the end of the semester, so probably late November would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's my hope that at that point we exit the community, and and I already have a commitment from the Help Age India, from the larger organization that supports Tamaraklam Elders Village. Mm-hmm. They've already committed to fund the company for two years. So we know that there will at least be two full seasons of this right. uh, company. Um, this May, I'm going to hire two directors um, and a playwright, so one director and one playwright, mm-hmm. uh, or probably dual roles. We'll see how that exactly works out. Yeah. But so I'll, and they will be employees of Help Age India, so they'll support the company for at least two years. And it's actually my hope that I have very little to do with this after next November, yeah. a, year, a year from now. That'll be, I'll walk away from the project and hopefully I'll come back. Uh, and see how the project's going, and then c- come visit again. Go see, see a how show. The project's going. <laughs> that kind of relationship. Yeah. That's really what what we're hoping for here. Yeah. Mm. All right. Thank you so much for being my guest today. No problem. And good luck. Thank you. <laughs> again, thank you for listening to Beyond the Jargon on CFUV.